1: Watching the Olympics, I saw an ad that Walmart is committed to creating more American jobs by helping to spark a revitalization of U.S.-based manufacturing, or as they call it, the American renewal. They have a goal that by the year 2023, they're pledging to purchase approximately $250 billion, that's B, billion, dollars in products that support the creation of American jobs. They plan on doing this three ways. 1. Increasing what they already buy of U.S. manufactured goods. 2. Source new-to-Walmart U.S. manufactured goods. and 3. Reshore the manufacturing of goods they currently buy by facilitating and accelerating the efforts of their suppliers. Every year since 2013, they host about 2,000 entrepreneurs in Bentonville, Arkansas for their U.S. Manufacturing Summit, which includes an open call for new U.S.-made products, which is open to both current and potential suppliers. That sounds like great news. However... There's always a flip side, and unfortunately, in my world of business development, that often means inexperienced companies exposing themselves to serious potential liability and, of course, litigation. My guest, Tom Taramina, for more than 15 years has served as an expert witness in product liability cases and is the author of the best-selling book, Foreseeable Risk. His proprietary process, forensic business pathology, is the product of proven quality management and years of studying business processes. Instead of opining on cause and effect, Tom creates a scientific case that the defendant did or did not exercise an appropriate standard of care in placing their product into the stream of commerce. Tom. Welcome.
2: Thanks, Sherry. It's so great to be back with you.
1: Absolutely. Well, for our listeners, the information I want you to share applies to not only to manufacturers but also restaurant owners, retail shops, pretty much anyone who is in business. So let's talk about the the difference or the definition between negligence, duty of care, and standard of care, which is the language of lawsuits.
2: Okay. Well, let's let's put a disclaimer for. Both both of us right up front, that these are my opinions, they've been gained as an expert witness, I am not an attorney, so if you take any of my advice, you need to seek out legal, professional legal help first. With that said, if you are a manufacturer, no one ever tells you what's going to happen if someday the process server walks in the office and drops a lawsuit on you. From that moment, the rest of your life has changed forever. It will never, ever be the same based on whatever the outcome is, whether it's favorable or not. The psychological and the financial cost of that, of defending a lawsuit, is, is so traumatic and so expensive that my advice to manufacturers and service companies is let's sit down and do exactly what you and I are doing this moment and let's look at what risk means in a manufacturing company.
1: All right. What does it mean?
2: <laughs> well, I have this, this strange theory and I'm I was very interested to hear you read all of that about Walmart, uh, because the the box store effect as it was has kind of driven product's liability up instead of down. Uh I'm not going to pick on Walmart at all, but the the, the big chains and the box stores set price points. That's what they've done over the years. And if you're going to sell them a space heater, a box fan, or whatever, uh, you're going to meet that price point. So most American companies just throw up their hands and say, "Well, we can't meet that that kind of labor rate. We can't we can't do that here in the United States. Uh, let's let's offshore it. Let's go to Korea, China, wherever they decide to go to." But no one's warned them of what's going to happen when they buy products unseen uh, overseas. Uh, They get them in the store, they start selling them, and of course the the box stores do diligence in testing the products that they they get before they sell them. But the fact, fact number one, we'll we'll do some fact numbers, fact number one is that whatever your supplier did for you today is not the same thing that you should expect tomorrow. If you do that, you're naive because somebody's job is going to change, the company's going to change. I remember when Florsheim shoes was the only shoes I would wear. And one day I said, I brought them back and I told my cousin was selling them. He, he said, oh, we didn't tell you Florsheim sold out and it's not the same shoe anymore. Well, there wasn't any any real liability in that except my cousin went out of business. But for the, the manufacturer who decides they're just going to uh, offshore whatever it is that they want to sell to a box store, to anybody, to anyone for that matter, does not know how to do diligence in finding out what their exposure is going to be.
1: Yes, this is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Tom Teramina, who is an expert witness in product liability cases. And we've been talking about the fact that... On the front end, it's very exciting. I went out to their website and everyone's yelling, hey, I got a contract with Walmart. And I look at these people and I know they aren't experts in manufacturing. They're the mom and pops, they're the three brothers, they're the whoever, and had a great idea, good for inventors and all of that, but reality of how do you get a product to market and that's what we're talking about right now is that sad story of when something goes horribly wrong
2: right let me start that on a positive note i was blessed to have a number of consulting assignments with dell computer and in their heyday and the savings and and cost savings that we we measured were in the millions and millions of dollars because of the process improvements we did but the reason I bring Dell up is because Michael Dell had an office of he and three other experts. Uh, he was the charismatic leader. They had a financial whiz, they had a marketing whiz, and they had a technical whiz. And all four of them reached consensus on everything everything that they were going to do, and then they called in legal counsel and check the liability of what they were going to do, and then they moved forward or didn't move forward. So think about that. If you're mom and pop with a bookstore down the street here, um, where are all of these people that are going to help keep you out of trouble? First of all, I was in an art gallery last night, and it was a wonderful art gallery, but the people were not business people. They were art experts. And I asked, well, who does your you know who does your uh, your books? Uh, who advises you financially? Well, my cousin does that. And uh, well, who who advises you on your marketing strategy? Well, we've, we've been here so long that we just and so the point of all of that is, regardless if you're an art gallery mom and pop down the street or someone out in the industrial park uh, turning out a hundred thousand widgets a day. You have to have all of those disciplines in one form to be able to stay out of the liability business. How many companies actually do that, that you work with? How many of them really have the advisors to look at all four of those pieces of business?
1: Well, you don't see it in the small mom-and-pops. I mean, even in the big companies, the big franchise chains that have had food poisoning issues, I mean, it's systemic all over the country. So uh, that's why I keep saying, on the the one side, it's wonderful we're going to bring all this manufacturing back into America – But on the other side, the foreign countries have had many, many years of working and honing in on those disciplines where is this all new information to us again?
2: It's almost a repeat of Dr. Deming going to Japan and educating them first on quality management, and then coming here and educating us. But let me let me continue with the the scenario and reinforce what you just said. You can't think of very many companies that have all of those disciplines within the company. So somebody's doing double duty. I just minutes ago left a a, uh, a dentist's office and nobody had a specific job they you know the the dental hygienist also did this and the front office person also did that and and there were no procedures so there was no real structure to the business and i warned them that someday something's going to happen and when you're messing around in people's mouths and you may just see that process over so let's build around all of that and make sure you have all of those processes and functions covered and also that your people are aware of outgoing product defect, outgoing service defect. So that would take us to the three definitions you started with when, we, when you started a few minutes ago.
1: I want to switch gears because I want to take it on a different track. The Kairos moment. We'll be right
2: back. This is Jeanette K. Bells, President of J.K. Bell's and Associates. Tune in to the Sherry Hill Show right here on ninety-nine point one FM Talk Radio. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Sherry Hill is dynamic and a great information source. Thank you, Sherry.
0: like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. SunTech
3: Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. Three five two nine three nine six. SunTech Solar Screens block up to ninety percent of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening Products. Three five two nine three nine six. SunTech Solar Screening combines expert craftsmanship, attention to detail, and state-of-the-art materials to deliver a precision fit of heat repellent technology. SunTech Solar Screening adds comfort and style to your home all summer long for a free estimate and you'll feel the difference immediately just by holding up the SunTech solar screen. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. Suntech solar screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call Suntech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 352 9396. Suntech Solar Screening.
0: So, you're thinking about buying investment real estate. Getting the right mortgage is a critical part of your decision. This is Lou Carr, branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. With today's extremely affordable mortgage interest rates, you have the opportunity to step into what could be the best investment purchase you'll ever make. How do you go about it? First, get pre-approved with a mortgage
1: lender like Summit Funding. Then, find the right property at the right price. Summit Funding is ready to talk with you about getting a mortgage to purchase real estate. Visit
0: SummitFunding.net slash L-C-A-R-R or call 775-626-0775 for personal service. This is Lou Carr from Summit Funding, NMLS number two five eight seven five zero. Thank you. Summit
3: Funding is an equal housing lender.
1: Biblical scholars coined the term the kairos moment as an instant of great clarity and profound knowledge to be mined from a significant event in history. Kairos is an ancient Greek word meaning the right or opportune moment. My guest, Tom Taramina, has amassed an extraordinary wealth of knowledge and business experience over his 50-year career and, in fact, even trademarked the term the Kairos moment as lessons that are derived from significant events in science and business and how to turn them into moments of clarity for solving your most challenging problems. So, Tom, I'd like you to enlighten us as to why you became fascinated with those Kairos moments and how you applied this philosophy in business.
2: You want me to enlighten you about enlightenment? Yes. <laughs> Please. <laughs> we, we can do that. Again, I've been blessed with in my long career with having opportunities to work with 700 companies, and the events you run into had better be learning moments for you. Uh, the The combined knowledge of all of those uh, work that I've done has brought me to the moment where I can help other companies, well, there are times when things happen in a catastrophic manner that that just ground you and say, Oh, wow, what can I learn from that what what I just avoided a major head on collision and i 'm traumatized. What can I learn from that? That kind of got me started uh, looking into history and, and how the all of the books of the Bible were written and how the great texts were written was the scholars studying cataclysmic events and then putting into into word uh, and, par- and parable, typically, what happened so that others would not repeat the mistakes. And I'd come across the Kairos moment uh, sometime in the late 1990s, uh, there were a series of a series of natural disasters in south texas where i lived you know, that caused a fundamental lifestyle change and so and, and having discovered this term the kairos moment i said well here's one what are we going to learn from it and what are we going to do differently next time so that's the derivation of it and i've in my books what i do is i i remind people or i encourage people that whenever there is some life-changing event to stop, take a deep breath, and write down what you learn from it so you th- that you don't do it again. So that's the derivation of the Kairos moment.
1: So is it only cataclysmic bad events, or is it also incorporating positive?
2: Well, I'd, I'd love to have a few of those <laughs> <laughs> life-changing positive moments, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it could if you uh, the people who win these giant lotteries, you know, the the story is that they're broke within two years. So I, I can see a, a parallel of if I won the the lottery, which I don't even play, I would stop and I would plan all of this out. What what happened to all of these other lottery winners? How did they go broke in in two years? What did they do? What are the so? Yeah, I'm sure that that's true positive. The negative ones are more frequent, uh, however, and more life-changing.
1: In your consulting and when you go into businesses, I mean, oftentimes people bring in a consultant when something has occurred that they're not doing business the same way or they're having a lot of difficulty or issues, and now they're finally ready to reach out and get some outside help. Is it that you drill down into what you would call those Kairos moments to go, yeah, how did we get here? What was the decision-making prior to that led to this?
2: Exactly. It's And I, I seldom use the term Kairos moment because I'm, I'm seldom in philosophical positions when I'm called in for those events, some poor CEO has got himself uh, up to muck, up to his ankles, and we have to fix the problem. But yes, indeed, that same process is I use over and over. What led up to the event? What happened during the event? And what is the remain, what, are, what are the remains we have to work with? And let's all sit down around the table... And let's all discuss those three things so that when we put a plan together to not have it happen again after we fixed it, what does that look like? How are we not going to repeat that same mistake?
1: This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Tom Taramina. And we're talking about leadership. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's like, well, that wasn't my decision. I was the devil's advocate and enlightened all of you to this is what was going to happen. I mean, how do you get through that?
2: How do you get through it? (laughs) Without
1: firing everybody.
2: Painfully. (laughs) Yeah. Let me me tell you an anecdote about that. Uh, Two weeks before the 9-11 tragedy, I was working with the big five accounting firms and trade center number two. And so that was kind of when when that happened I said I was just there 2 weeks ago. And so I decided to interview the people that I knew in those buildings that I had worked with and get their stories, get their kairos moment stories. And I will never forget this. I was talking with my financial consultant Merrill Lynch and he just happened to be on his way out to lunch when the first plane hit. And after it did, the the sky went black and then the building collapsed and he was trying to help people. But by the time he got through with that, he couldn't – he didn't know where he was. It was just black. So he knew where the river was and he walked over to the river and he said, I'm just going to jump in the – in the uh, river in the Hudson and I'm going to take my chances and try and find a boat. Well, he he jumped onto the deck of a, of a boat that was sitting there and they took him to New Jersey where he lived. He went home, opened the front door and his wife said, what are you doing home so early?
1: Oh my. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, every time I think about the Kairos moment and I think about that story, the, to answer your question, you have to be terribly analytical and keep keep people on track. And, and it, will you stop picking on Bob? It's not Bob. It's the process. You know, maybe Bob was the catalyst, but it's he, you set the circumstance. You've created the circumstances for the Kairos moment. I was watching on TV last night all of these tourists crawling around on the live volcano in Hawaii. I mean – talk about a Kairos moment, what's to prevent that thing from blowing up under your feet?
1: Part of the excitement and the adventure, right? (laughs) (laughs) But part of why you're hugely successful and and people do reach out to you is because your goal is not to get them to a Kairos moment. It's to really start the analyzing and the measuring and the strategic planning long before so one doesn't actually occur.
2: Absolutely. Strategic planning uh, is is something that's done poorly. If it's done at all, as you well know, you facilitate strategic plans, people write them, and then they put them in the bookshelf, and that's where they stay. You know, failing to plan is planning to fail. A very old adage, but so true. So what I try to do is, instead of having people write plans, write operational procedures, work instructions, uh, position descriptions, and competencies that make playing by the rules what you do every single day. And so avoiding, to me, avoiding a Kairos moment is one of the easiest things to do because risk these days, there aren't terribly many natural or business phenomena that can occur that someone else hasn't lived through. So benchmark, whatever it is you're going to do, benchmark it against, The best in class and worst in class. What? How did this this company go off the rails, and how did this company turn into the best of the best of the best, and sustainably grow and be be a prosperous company? So, avoiding the Kairos moment is is my passion. Cleaning up after one is very painful.
1: I like your term that there's really no major business failure that truly couldn't have been preventable, Absolutely. but it's all that decision-making that led up to, or lack of decision-making. It's really more about lack of decision-making.
2: Correct. And there's a sentence in every one of my expert witness reports, almost every one of them, that says, the event happened because someone used a marginal product poorly. So, That combination of events is what companies need to be looking for. We do stupid-proofing meetings. We take time. We bring everybody in that's available, the the guy on the back dock, the the, the janitor, and ask the question, let's just spend the next half an hour thinking about how a consumer can use our product badly. And it's a fun thing to do.
1: I'm guessing it gets very creative. It gets
2: very creative. (laughs) It's a lot better than, than the, some of the formal failure mode effect analysis procedures I've gone through with companies where the people who, who build and design the product are the only ones doing the failure mode analysis, and they're incestuous. They can't possibly think of all the things that could go wrong. What's wrong with that picture?
1: And I have a statement: You can't solve the the same problem with the same minds that created it.
2: <laughs> Isn't that the truth?
1: <laughs> All right. Again, we're going to switch gears because I want to ask Tom about his thoughts on the five steps to enlightened leadership. We'll be right
0: back. This is Larry Williams from LarryPresents.com. Tune in to the Sherry Hill Radio Show right here on ninety nine point one FM. Talk. The best advice is sage advice from the Sherry. Hill Radio Show. When you are empowered, you are at your B side best. Empowered people listen to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Thank you, Sherry.
3: SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 352 9396. Suntec Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer screening products. 352 9396. Suntec Solar Screening combines expert craftsmanship, attention to detail, and state of the art materials to deliver a precision fit of heat-repellent technology. Suntec Solar Screening adds comfort and style to your home all summer long. Call for a free estimate, and you'll feel the difference immediately just by holding up the Suntec Solar Screen. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 352-9396. Senior Citizen and Military Discounts. SunTech Solar Screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. Three five two nine three nine six. SunTech
0: Solar Screening. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com.
3: Hi, this is Peter Padilla, your host at Nevada Real Estate Radio. Our radio show has been on the air for 11 years, and you can listen to all of the podcasts at NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. When you listen to the expert guests that come to talk with us, you'll be better informed, wiser, and ready to go when you want to pull the trigger on a real estate transaction. Buying or selling, it doesn't matter. You need the advice from NevadaRealEstateRadio.com.
1: If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. Traditional management teaching would have us believe that the ideal organization is orderly and stable. Yet, when successful leaders talk about their personal best achievements, they talk about challenging the process, about changing things, about shaking up the organization. At the same time, leadership myth portrays the leader as a renegade who magnetizes a band of followers with courageous acts. In fact, leaders attract followers not because of their willful defiance, but because of their deep respect for the aspirations of others. For more than 30 years, Tom Terramina has presented to audiences around the country on a wide variety of topics. His specialty is not being a motivational speaker. Whether in a technical session, keynote, or dinner presentation, he utilizes a dialogic and interactive format to engage audiences, finding teachable moments and anecdotes that will enhance their personal and business lives, truly helping his audiences think outside the globe. Yes, he worked at NASA, and that's why I call him Rocket Tom. To learn more, I encourage you to visit RocketTom.com. So, you've stated that leadership is a state of mind, not an activity. Please share what you mean.
2: Isn't that prophetic? I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back let's go back to the NASA story for just a moment. Uh I worked worked in, my, in mission control for 14 years and I was there for Apollo 13. I heard Houston, we have a problem. And I didn't really get the gravity of what all that was all about. Until the Ron Howard movie came out, Apollo thirteen, and I sat there and watched it, and then all of a sudden, all the people I was working with, and I, w- I had left NASA long before that, said, "Wow, what a time! What did you learn? What is, that was amazing that you." And I said, "You know, it re- really, it was amazing when you think back on upon it." And so I've come up with the Apollo business model, which is the lessons learned. From Project Apollo, first of all, on how we won the space race in seven years, and then the Apollo thirteen disaster, where we for six days we fixed problems two hundred thousand miles away from home and brought the brought the guys home safely. So between those two things, those are some pretty striking business models. But the before you get very far down the line of how all of this happened, uh, the. Apollo mission Apollo business model starts with vision mission and values and we'll talk about that another time but the third one the one after that the fourth one is leadership and I look back at the people that were there when I was there I look at the department managers if you will the flight controllers these were these were leaders they they were test pilots they were engineers they were they had this this drive, and and we weren't driven by the bottom line. We were certainly on a budget, but we weren't out to make a profit. So I got exposed to leaders, and my favorite leader is Gene Kranz, who was the lead flight controller uh, during Apollo, and he created an environment in Building 30, as it were, the mission Control building, where he set the stage by his deeds actions and his words that gave us the liberty to do our jobs and he gave us the liberty to fail as long as we learned something from it so at the tender age of 20 something i was exposed to a leader that i've seldom seen since really and truly i've i've not worked with anyone that who got it you know, who got it that well. Oh, he gave me a good he gave me good butt chewings too, and I did something wrong. I'll never forget those either. But again, number one, a leader creates an environment where people can do their very best work.
1: Yes. And in that environment, of course, is as you mentioned. A little bit of freedom and flexibility, not micromanagement. Let's, For, let's talk about the difference between you know, leadership and management, right? Yes. So, yeah. Uh,
2: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, to me, it's crystal clear. You lead people and you manage processes. In order to be an effective leader, the processes that are involved in your business, whatever they are, service, product, have to be well-defined the people have to be competent to do their jobs. They have to accept the accountability of doing their jobs correctly over and over and over again every day. And they have to be allowed to be creative and to fail as long as the processes uh, do not let a defective product or a b- bad service leave their workstation, as it were. So you manage processes. You set up Operational procedures, work instructions, job descriptions, competencies, and people are certified to those competencies and they're continually trained and continually reviewed for those competencies. And so if you don't have that in place, a leader can't operate. But once those are clearly defined, when the rules are clearly defined, a leader can be very effective.
1: This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Tom Taramina, and we're talking about leadership. And as you have said, we haven't really had great examples of someone who really has all those skills of effective leadership. Certainly not in the public right now, for sure. And yet in organizations, there are organizations that we don't hear about that are doing wonderful and amazing things. And you know, there has to be someone who's quite the visionary, someone who has created that environment that allows people to blossom within that environment. And innovation stems out of people who are effective leaders.
2: You know, it's interesting that is that and I think the reason you don't hear from them or hear about them is that they're basically humble people. They really are. They don't want that kind of attention. If you recall 30 years ago, Tom Peters used to go all over the country and do these video segments with true leaders that he found. I still have those those video VCR tapes, and I still every two or three years get them out and go back and look at the, the, the identification of how he picked these people. And they were, first of all, they were all very humble. Second of all, they were open-minded and that they didn't know everything there was to know, that the people that worked for them knew the processes far better than they did. Their job was to run the company at the managerial level, the financial level, and provide the environment for the people to do their jobs, so you don't hear from them because they're they're very humble in my opinion and that certainly takes politicians out of the Well, but but
1: also because if it, it truly is about the people in your company, those are the ones that need accolades and they're typically helping develop those processes. They're the ones that are ensuring that the quality is there. And so it's why would I as the leader need to be awarded and applauded when I only exist because of the people that are helping me achieve whatever those big goals are we want to achieve.
2: Right. And that brings us to the people part of it. You can't be an enlightened leader unless you have people who want to be ably led. Another one of my favorite quotes, ably led. I will follow an able leader. Absolutely. But the current issues with employees is I've I've heard the term around our community, we hire the best of the the worst. What kind of a – a gene pool is that. I know there are I know there are great people out there. Uh, I've used this example before. There was a, was a pharmaceutical warehouse so not too far from here and these people were warehouse workers. But every single morning they had a 10-minute stand-up meeting with the, with the plant manager. And in that meeting everybody was equal. Everybody had a had a say. And I I loved going to those meetings because it would be, well, boss, I just wanted to tell you, thank you for helping me finish unloading that truck the other day. I'd have never gotten it done in the time period. And somebody else saying, well, if we would just move that mirror a little bit, the forklift driver would have an easier time. And they all owned it. So the leader, my first book was called Virtual Leadership. The leader should be virtual. He should be almost transparent and uh, you, you can't be one of the boys, and you know, that that doesn't work either. But you have to be you have to be respected. And these, like I said, these people are warehouse workers. Afterwards, they may have gone out pulling slot machines or doing whatever they do or going to ball games. But during that time that they were in that facility, nothing was going to leave that facility that was was not correct.
1: Right. Well, I have always looked at the organizational chart. I always invert it. Yeah. So the CEO is on the bottom with his or her arms out holding up all the other people versus they're all on the bottom with with uh, the leader sitting at the top of the pyramid. I've never liked that visual. I like it reversed because that to me is what a true leader is all about, lifting, cl- helping your people succeed.
2: The it's very interesting. I had have read that Abraham Maslow, who designed the Hierarchy of Needs Pyramid, on his deathbed, said, told somebody, you know, we really should turn it upside down. <laughs> yeah,
1: I agree. And anymore, a lot has changed, obviously, in the workplace, and there is a lot more freedom and flexibility. However, I think that the skill of developing into a leader, I don't think you're a born leader. I think it's skill set you have to develop and work on and really have people understand Where are you lacking in leadership skills? Where do you excel in leadership skills? And work on those pieces that are going to make people, like you say, be excited to show up to work and be excited to help you realize that vision.
2: Absolutely. And it requires you putting a mirror in front of yourself. And that's one of the most difficult things to do. Uh, How am I perceived? How How do people... Uh, And another great saying I heard is, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Mm -hmm. So once you sort all of that out, we're playing a role and we can't be a leader if we're playing a role.
1: That's right. Our next segment, I want to share what 97% of all senior executives say is the most critical leadership skill for an organization's success. We'll be right back.
2: This is Tom Teramina from Virginia City, Nevada. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she is passionate about your success. Thank you, Sherry.
0: like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com.
3: SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home, 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products, 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening combines expert craftsmanship, attention to detail, and state-of-the-art materials to deliver a precision fit of heat-repellent technology. SunTech Solar Screening adds comfort and style to your home all summer long for a free estimate and you'll feel the difference immediately just by holding up the SunTech solar screen. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech Solar Screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 352 9396.
0: SunTech Solar Screening. Many times, closing a real estate deal fast is the key to getting the great deal done. At Socotra Capital, we help you get the money fast. This is Dave Washburn, Vice President of Loans and Investments at Socotra Capital. We are a hard money lender for real estate transactions that need to close fast, way before banks or institutional financing can complete the deal. We're ready to talk to you about closing your transaction quickly, and we can get you the money fast. Visit www.SocotraCapitalNevada.com or call 775-420-4990 for a personal appointment. Thank you.
3: Socotra Capital, Nevada is located at 298 Kingsbury Grade, Suite 1G, State Line, Nevada, 89449. David Washburn's NMLS agent number 51269. Sacotra Capital, Nevada, Incorporated.
1: If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit sherryhillshow.com. In a Harvard Business Review study, 97% of a group of 10,000 senior executives said strategic thinking is the most critical leadership skill for an organization's success. Strategic thinking is a process that defines the manner in which people think about, assess, view, and create the future for themselves and others. Strategic thinking is an extremely effective and valuable tool which involves developing an entire set of critical skills. Well, what are those critical skills? We're going to ask my guest, Tom Terramina, a friend and colleague that has amassed an extraordinary wealth of knowledge and experiences over his 50-year career. Beginning with the foundation of 14 years at Mission Control, Houston, during Gemini and Apollo, he was one of the pioneers of the discipline of quality control engineering. He ran several manufacturing companies before becoming a consultant, facilitator, and trainer. He has worked with more than 700 companies, written 12 books, and continues to champion business organizational excellence. So, Tom. I want to run through this list of critical skills that the best strategic thinkers possess and use every day and would like you to further expand on your um, ideas. So critical skill number one, strategic thinkers have the ability to use the left, the logical, and right creative sides of their brain, which takes practice.
2: They have to do it cognitively. That's That's the key to that. That's absolutely true. And all of us are left-brained or right-brained by nature. So how do you how do you discipline yourself to know when to switch from one to the other? So learning that skill is, is you can't do it on your own. You really need you really need coaching, if you will, and, and learning how to when the left brain is should kick in and when the right brain kick in. So as you said in the introduction, uh, strategic thinking is something that is learned. And it's something that is, is structured.
1: Right. So I have to share this. When all through, when I was learning how to write, I'm right-handed. At the same time, I taught myself how to write left-handed. So the whole time I was learning in school, I would do everything both right and left-handed, which I do believe is why I can think both left and right side of the brain. Very unusual. And yet, why did I do it? I have no idea. It just seemed like fun.
2: Well, maybe it was fun, but maybe you were a strategic thinker and didn't know it.
1: Apparently, apparently at, at uh, what, age five and six, right?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Critical skill number two, strategic thinkers have the ability to develop a clearly defined and focused business vision and personal vision.
2: Absolutely. And again, an acquired skill for most people because we don't think in terms of process. We... we react to situations based on the training and experiences that we have and when we're asked a question or faced with a situation we open our mouth and we blurt out an answer because that's what we're programmed to do strategic thinkers stop take a deep breath and look at the left and right side of their brain and their myriad of experience and if they're really strategic thinkers they say what would you do
1: right Critical skill number three, strategic thinkers have the ability to clearly define their objectives and develop a strategic action plan with each objective broken down into tasks and each task having a list of needed resources and a specific timeline.
2: Now, how many people do we know that actually do that? Rarely. Rarely. they
1: have goals, they write stuff down, they stick them up on a board, right. but they never follow it all the way through into an actual, how are we going to do that, how are we going to execute?
2: Well, how are we going to execute? And then when we start getting close to executing and realis- realization, we lose interest and go on to something else. So the infrastructure that has to be set up by a strategic thinker is how is the system going to run itself? Excellent. Excellent.
1: Critical skill number 4 strategic thinkers have the ability to design flexibility into their plans by creating some benchmarks in their thinking to review progress and then use those benchmarks as a guide and to recognize the opportunity to revise their plans as needed.
2: Strange you should mention that I was involved with the International Benchmarking Clearinghouse in Houston when it was developed. And those those things never occurred to me that you should Bounce your ideas off best in class and then put, put uh, the processes into place to make sure that you're following that. So benchmarking has kind of gone out of style. I'm glad I hear that word being used again to where someone else has done this before. Let's see what they did right. Let's see what they did wrong. That's, that's a strategic thinker.
1: When we're talking about execution and strategic, we see this a lot in project management, who are typically solid strategic thinkers because they have to think about all those what-ifs. Also, somewhere in that process, they stop and they go, is the direction we're on still working based on the circumstances or the resources or the people involved? Is it truly now still going to carry us forward?
2: Absolutely, and part of strategic thinking is, I will not let something like that move forward unless we have metrics in place before we start mm-hmm. for every event and those those metrics tell us when to turn a little bit more to the left to the right or to stop if we need to stop
1: Yes, this is sherry hill you 're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest, Tom Terramina, and we 're talking about the critical skills required to be an effective strategic thinker. So critical skill number five, strategic thinkers are amazingly aware and perceptive, recognizing internal and external clues often subtle to help guide future direction and realize opportunities for them and their companies or organizations.
2: Well, and again, I think you and I can use our personal experiences in the fact that a, a strategic thinker has had many different uh many different experiences from which to draw. And and I I think that's a big, big part of it is the fact that we're situationally aware and can dip into that sack of of solutions just just like that and come up with a proposed outcome, proposed solution.
1: Right, and they're good listeners typically. (laughs)
2: <laughs> we have one mouth and two ears, and they should be used approximately in that proportion.
1: Absolutely. Critical skill number six, strategic thinkers are committed, lifelong learners, and learn from each of their experiences.
2: My goodness, that it can't be more true. I, again, this morning I was working with a, uh, a dental practice, and I learned so many new things just in, in a few hours this morning. But, again, everything they're doing comes down to strategic planning, and strategic thinking, and these are people who like to be working in people's mouths, not strategically thinking.
1: Right, right. <laughs> number seven is they take time out for themselves, of course, relaxing and unwinding and all those things are important. So if you're not taking time out for yourself, a retreat, something, then you're not going to be as an effective uh, as a strategic thinker. So number eight is committed to and seek advice from others.
2: Absolutely, if you think you know everything, you're in big trouble. Right. It's it's surround yourself with people who are like minded in the fact that they are open minded, but are different in their views of life. And nothing nothing you know is absolute. Absolutely nothing is absolute. What is that? That's kind of, that's kind of a circular logic thing, isn't it? But be open, listen, actively listen to people.
1: I, I pulled this little plaque out of my grandmother's house and it says, it's what you learn after you know everything that counts. <laughs> and I, it's hanging right by my desk. I love that. She was a strategic thinker. Trust me on that one. Number nine, strategic thinkers have the ability to balance their tremendous amount of creativity with a sense of realism and honesty about what is achievable in the longer term.
2: It's it's so true. I I was happened to be at a mixer last night and I ran ac- across two different people that had these amazing ideas and and plans that they wanted to do and it was like listening to uh to a, a comedian because they had not given a moment's thought to is there a market for this? Can I afford to 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 launch it? What's going to happen if what happened and they they just foam at the mouth and it's 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 sometimes it's embarrassing to watch
1: (laughs) all right we gotta we gotta scream through these last two critical skill number 10 strategic thinkers have the ability to be non-judgmental and they do not allow themselves to be held back or restricted by judging their own thinking or the thinking of others when ideas are initially being developed and shared
2: in the essence of time all i can say is amen you you have to if, if you're a judgmental person Get somebody else to do your strategic thinking.
1: And critical skill number 11, strategic thinkers have the ability to be patient and to not rush to conclusions and judgments.
2: Once again, it's just an absolute truism. There's no, I don't think I can say anything to, to make that any more poignant.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. And that was fun because it's, strategic thinking is important. And it's a skill that has to be developed. So as we went through all of those 11, if you, our listeners, are going, wow, I, maybe I should work on that. That was really the goal of this segment. <laughs> so thank you, Tom, for being here.
2: My pleasure, Sherry.
1: Always good to catch up and catch up next week.
0: The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for the Sherry Hill Show.
3: Hi, this is Peter Padilla, your host at Nevada Real Estate Radio. Our radio show has been on the air for 11 years, and you can listen to all of the podcasts at com. When you listen to the expert guests that come to talk with us, you'll be better informed, wiser, and ready to go when you want to pull the trigger on a real estate transaction. Buying or selling, it doesn't matter. You need the advice from Radio.com. Suntech solar screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. Suntech solar screening proudly features Pfeiffer screening products. Make shade while the sun shines. Suntech solar screening three five two nine three nine six. Suntech solar screening.